0: So, oh. Isaiah will be adjusting the volume as needed. I'm, I tend to be quieter. Those of you that are astute, astute observers will probably notice a change in how the lyrics were done. Uh, Megan's out of town for the month and so I was doing it and I, I'm experimenting a little bit just for fonts and contrasts and we'll see how it works. Um, When Megan comes, you may be really, really happy to see Megan come back. I don't know. I like the landscapes, but I also think the words are the most important thing up there. Um, And so, we didn't want to mess that up. Early believers, early believers were called disciples, right? Remember in Matthew 28, don't look this up, 19 and 20, therefore go and make disciples. And You know, a true disciple is a pupil, a follower of a teacher, of Jesus in this case. Um, What are Christians called today? Are we disciples? It's part of that. Um, I heard the term a casual Christian. We have a lot of this going around. um, Easy believism has kind of plagued the church, the modern church, where... People are taught, well, just just say these words, repeat after me these words, or maybe this prayer, and you're saved. You're going to heaven. Uh, don't worry about it. You got it. Um, very often, these churches kind of have an attitude of come as you are and stay as you are. Um, you know, and also I've heard too. Look, don't we get so hung up on doctrine and theology and all this stuff. Don't worry about doctrine and theology. As long as you love Jesus, you're golden. That's all that matters. Just got to love Jesus. And you know, very often what this t- translates into is how close to the line can I dance and still be a Christian? Um how close to the world can I live and still be saved and go to heaven? Sometimes we're just looking for just barely enough to get, it, to get into heaven. The casual Christian. And, um, you know, we need to think in terms of gaps, not lines. Uh, separation that has to happen. Um, a lot of people are being deceived that they're going to heaven. He says, look, you just say these words, you're going to heaven. Didn't you get kind of a warm feeling when we all sang and... and uh, Praise Jesus. Well, then everything's fine. Um, you know, sincerely believing a wrong or a false gospel, it really means that you're just sincerely wrong. Um, you know, and we see this in other churches. Uh, my fear, you know, in a way, our responsibility is: What about this church? You know, suppose suppose the rapture occurred occurred. Before I finished this morning, would this be an empty room? You know we need to, to think about that let 's pray first, Lord, I, I thank you so much for for this church. Um, I thank you for the the noise and the fellowship. I thank you for good friends and, and men that can be examples to me and, and encourage me. Uh, Lord, I want to lift up especially Dan and his family. I just thank you that they're able to get a a rest together as a family. Um, And I I just pray for a restoration and allow, and we just look forward to seeing them back here with us again, Lord. They are key to this church. Um, But this is your church. We ask these things in your name, amen. Scariest verse in the Bible, the scariest verse. There's several around here, but Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, so what is salvation? You just pray these words and you should be saved, right? This is what guys are telling us. Um, genuine salvation is not about works. But once you've entered that portal... It's followed by works. You know, There's this debate between faith and works and salvation by works and all this. Salvation is not by works. You are saved by Jesus Christ alone. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do that's good enough for salvation. But um, this is a, kind of a famous or well-known salvation verse, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And my friend Roger reminds me of verse 10 after that. I lost it. There it is. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What's missing here with people's salvation? One, one thing that's missing is repentance. So what is repentance? Some say it's a change of mind that results in a change of action. Um, I'm going to read, in a moment I'm going to read a bunch of verses that are right next to each other. So you uh, won't be fiddling around so much. But Acts 26.20, this is Paul preaching to King Agrippa. And it's one of his last sermons. And he's describing what he's been doing all this time. And I'm jumping into uh, verse 20. "But, But I kept declaring both to those in Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea, even to the Gentiles. Listen to this. This is what he's preaching. That they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate... To repentance. There's some natural outcomes of true repentance. Um, Roger's NLT says, and prove that they have changed by the good things they do. There are good works we should be doing. Um, so, back to what does the Bible say about loving Jesus? Does the Bible say don't worry about doctrine or thing or theology or anything. Does the Bible say, I just love Jesus and you've got a warm feeling in your heart, everything's fine. No, let's look. Um, We're going to look at a bunch of verses in John 14 and 15. This is right after the Lord's Supper. Um, These are Jesus's final words before the crucifixion. And anytime you have, you're listening to somebody's final words, you listen, because they're saying what's important. Um, Jesus in those, in those chapters talks about, well, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't worry about things. Well, you're going to be okay. He also talks about the Holy Spirit coming, the helper, the comforter. So he's doing all of these things to kind of give them last instructions. So let's look at what he says. John 14, 15. If you love me... You will keep my commandments. John fourteen twenty one. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. I had memorized it where it said, And I will manifest myself to him. I will show myself to him. Um, John fifteen ten. If you keep my commandments, you will will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. John John 15, 14. Do you see a trend here? There's a pattern. Uh, Just let it wash over you. This is is straight from the Bible. This isn't just, I just love Jesus, you're fine. Um, John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now jumping to 1 John by this we oh 1 John 2:3 by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments wow this keeps coming back doesn't it uh, the verse i read earlier in Matthew 28:19 and 20 about go for it, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit now listen teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus' in instructions to the disciples, to the apostles, sometimes we, we blur that, make disciples and teach them the stuff I commanded you. Um, Matthew 7:24. You remember this song, right? About the wise man and the foolish man and building his house on the sand. Well, what makes the man wise? What makes the man foolish? You ever slowed down and looked at that? Matthew 7, 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, he does them, may be compared to the wise man who built his house on the rock. Skip down two verses. Everyone, Everyone who hears these words of mine And does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jesus is putting a lot of value in you hear the words and then you do something about it. Okay, a while back, excuse me, a guy named Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. You know, it was real popular for a while, and you take a little test to see what your love language is and what your spouse's is, so that. It's a, um, it kind of addresses somebody's preferred way of receiving love and giving love. It just naturally comes out certain ways. And um, these are acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, and physical touch. You know, when you're aware of your loved one's love language, you can... Um, You can express your love and better show them how you love them. Well, extrapolating from that a little bit, what do you think Jesus' love language is? I'll tell you, it's obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus' love language is obedience. Um, How do we know if we really love Jesus? Jesus. If we can, it's, we can tell by what we consistently do or don't do. I didn't say perfectly do or don't do because I can't do that. I'm not perfect. But there's consistency. Um, now we're going to, oh, we're going to get into some grammar for a second. Ready? Sit up straight. This so this could be English grammar, could be Greek, could be Hebrew, could be Egyptian. But there are verbs called declarative verbs or imperative verbs. And there's other tenses as well, but um, declarative is what you think it declares something, it states something. Imperative means a command. This is a sheet of paper. Declarative. Okay, Read it. That's imperative. That's what. So this is in the Bible all over too. And it, it, it helps to kind of open your eyes as you're reading and see it, what's being said here. Uh, you should, should keep your finger in John 14, because we're going to jump back all the time. John 14, 6 is an example of a declarative statement of Jesus. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's not a command. He's just saying, he's just stating a fact. This is it. This is what it... What's true. Um, an imperative is a few verses past that, which you've heard a few times this morning. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So it's a, that is a, a command. Keep my commandments. Um, okay. Okay. What are these commands? What, what are the commands of Christ? Are these, the, is it, these are the laws of Moses? You know, someone said, oh, there's... 613 or 14 laws of Moses that the Pharisees delineated. No. First of all, I have to touch on the greatest commands. Remember the Pharisees were trying to test them and say, well, what's the greatest commandment? In Matthew 22, 37 and on it says, And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, on these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. Your translation instead of dissent, depend, might say hang or suspend. You can, if you can do these two, you, the rest fall into place. That's, these are the, the greatest commandments. But you know what? Jesus did say keep my commandments. Okay, these these two were in, in scripture before. And so what does he mean by keep my commandments? Keep my commands. Several people, several preachers and others have put together a list of the commands of Christ from the New Testament from the gospels that Jesus actually spoke and um, Bill Gothard had 49, somebody else did 50, someone else, 52, so you can study one a week. You know, it's not, it's not a hard one. I, some are going to find more commands, some will dis, you know, say, well, this is repeated here, so that can't be two different commands. There, let's just say there's 50 commands of Christ. What are they? If you were to go through Scripture and... Uh, find them most of these come from Matthew from the sermon on the mount and for your convenience i have 50 of them right here a whole stack of paper so if you're interested just come and grab one and look through it uh, they're all over the well you can find them in the internet except be careful cuz i i can't find them I saw one list that started. The first one, the first command of Christ was to practice random acts of kindness. I thought, you know, chapter and verse here, I don't know. But, you know, Peter and Paul, John, James, others have commands in there. Are these less authoritative than Christ's commands? You should say no. All Scripture is inspired and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction. So, all Scripture is is equally valid. Um, but we're going to look at the commands of Christ. He's saying over and over again, "Keep my commandments." Um, so, what we're going to do for just the next few minutes? I'm just I'm not going to do all 50. Relax, because. This would take away time from Mitch's Sunday school afterwards. So we're going to do a few of them. I just want to look at a few and let you look at what would it look like if you're following commands of Christ. Um, first one, these are mostly in Matthew. So if you go to Matthew, Matthew 5, you just have to jump down a few verses each time. You can follow. Matthew five sixteen. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's a command. So I could, I could paraphrase it a bit and say, If you love me, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The intent is not that they can see you doing good stuff. You know, it's like... a I take the shopping cart back into the corral and I look around to make sure somebody's watching. Um, It's not always the case. Um, If you love Jesus, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Second one. It's not the second. I'm skipping a bunch just so that we can be done in time for Sunday school. Be reconciled. Matthew five twenty three, twenty four. 24. And each of these apply to us. If you love God, you will be, if you love Jesus, you will be doing these. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the, at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering even if it's, it's an immediacy there. You just take care of stuff. If you're, if you're here worshiping and go, "Oh man, I I did something to you know, something to John here. He's he's really not pleased with me right now." Deal with it. Take care of it. If you love Jesus, you take care of things like that. Um, another one, <clears throat> keep your word. Matthew 5:37. Uh, there 's a big section before that it 's about keep making vows and vowing to the temple versus the and the the gold in the temple and all that stuff. but the summary is, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. anything beyond these this is of evil. just be truthful That's they say um, The next one go the second mile we 've heard this over and over again. we have an idea of what the second mile means, but a lot of people don't understand where that came from. In Jesus's day, Roman soldiers were allowed to conscript anybody and make them carry their pack for a mile. Romans invented the mileposts, you know, mile, mile, mile. So they could sit by the milepost, grab the next guy coming, hand them their pack, and that guy has to go, doesn't matter which way they were going initially, they have to go a mile for that soldier. Now, that's not fair. Well, what does Jesus say about that? Oh, you go a second mile. You know, that first mile, all you're doing is preventing punishment from the soldier. You know, you're just you're doing that because you're a sucker that he caught, you know, and you have to carry that. If you go that second mile and say, no, oh, no, wait, wait, I'll I'll go with you another mile. Now you're a friend. Now you have a message to tell him. He's going to listen. So it says, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him two. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You give because it's a way of showing love to other people. So if you love Jesus, you go the second mile. Love your enemies. The next one, 544, Matthew 544. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Have you ever prayed for somebody that's given you a lot of trouble? You know, whether it's a neighbor or a coworker or a boss. Pray that, and what do you pray? You pray, Lord, that God would stomp them. You know, that's, that's our tendency. Pray that God would bless them. And if you pray this way, Eventually, it's kind of hard to be so angry with this guy, even if he's still a jerk. You know, it's, pray that God would bless them. This is what we're commanded to do. Skip down a little bit, Matthew six one. Um, this this falls under the title: it's practice secret disciplines. Um In here he talks about giving, he talks about fasting, he talks about prayer, but um, we'll look at prayer. this is practice secret disciplines. this is Matthew six: one beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Um, and then he get again, Matthew six, five to six, he's talking about praying. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Um, we had the privilege of going to Israel and we saw, I mean, there's, they weren't Pharisees, they were Hasidic Jews, but they would make a show Preparing and putting little phylacteries on, and, and make a real show, and then they get up and they pray visibly. You know, one guy was on the airplane, and sitting in front of the bulkhead seat, and was, you know, bobbing and praying. So he was very, very visible, so he could be seen by men. The Bible says, "Well, he's already got his reward." I'm not going to answer that. It's, um, he's already impressed a lot of people, maybe, or he thinks he has. Um, so. Don't stand in the synagogues and the street corners so they may be seen by you. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full, but you, you that love Jesus, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray that your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, There's a way of secret disciplines that... Christians should be doing. Okay, we have these casual Christians that I don't know. I'm, I seem to be doing fine. What's the point? Um, They're missing the point. Next one, uh, Matthew nineteen four to six. This is honor marriage. Honor marriage. And this is kind of relevant today. Okay. If you love me, you will. This is a command. And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Is this an issue today? Yeah. He made them male and female. Um, And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two of them shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So if you love Jesus, you honor marriage. Okay. Uh, let's do, let do a couple more. See, I, could, I have a lot more to do. I'm not going to... Render, render into Caesar. This is Matthew twenty two twenty. Remember, they were trying to catch him on, okay, what about paying taxes to the Romans? You know, this is, this is awful to the, to the good Jews to pay any taxes to Rome. They, did, they didn't want to. And they, they said, well, should you pay taxes? And he answered and said, have you, oops. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? He's holding up a coin. It's got an image of Caesar on it. And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Several things going on here. What does render mean? Pay to, uh, give to, um, something that you owe. You owe taxes to Caesar, pay Caesar. Um, But what most people miss is that next one. And to God, the things that are God's. What are God's? What's that? Everything, Everything is God's. Um, you are God's. You've been paid. You've been bought with a price. So, if you love Jesus, you give back to God. You render to God what's His. Um, deny yourself. This is in Luke nine twenty three. Um, This is an easy one to read over, just skip through, but to slow down and look at it, this command says, and he was saying to all of them, if anyone wishes to come after me, if you want to be a follower, if you want to be a casual Christian, if you think you want to be, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, we hear a lot about people that say, you know, I was born this way. I was born angry. God's just going to have to get used to it. No, it says deny him. Deny yourself. I was born gay. And why would God do that? No. Whatever you were, deny yourself and then take up your cross daily. Not once, but daily. And follow me. Okay. So, I'm squinting at the clock back there. I, I have cataract <laughs> surgery scheduled for the end of the month, so we'll, next time it'll be better. I won't go so long. Maybe um, now. let me, let me Dan, Dan lands the plane. Okay, I was thinking, well, what do I do? We're going to dock the boat now. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> let me ask a question of each of you. Are you an average Christian or are you a normal Christian? What does it mean to be a normal Christian? This is your. What's the difference? Um, There was a guy named Watchman Ni, a Chinese guy, that wrote a book called The Normal Christian Life. And normal means it behaves as it's supposed to behave. Average doesn't always mean that. Um, I just bought a soldering iron from Amazon, and it came and it's a normal soldering iron. I turn it on and it gets hot. Melt solder. So that's normal. It does what it was intended to do. As a Christian, are we doing what we're intended to do? Um, you know So I'd say going forward, commit to love Jesus properly. Um, How do you love Jesus properly? Well, we've kind of been through this, um, following his commands. And remember the verse, there's John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And I will disclose myself to him. You want to know God better. You love him and keep his commandments. He will reveal himself to you. In the, in the Sunday school series, we're doing the attributes of God. And there's struggles. You know, it's just our brains are not big enough to understand omniscience right? or God's all-powerfulness or God's eternity. Uh, our brains aren't big enough. But we struggle. You know, I used the analogy a week or two about we're going into this valley of boulders and we all as a class get around this boulder and try and move it and push on it. Nothing happens, but we're a lot more familiar with this boulder now. And then next week we go to another boulder and we're getting, gradually getting um, closer to who God is, to a better, you know, as much as we can humanly understand it, it's, it's actually, it's been helpful to me. I've really enjoyed it. and uh, So, we want God to disclose himself to us. Um, and it's Jesus saying, I will love him and will disclose myself to them. I'll manifest, I'll show myself. You'll be able to see more clearly who I am. And I can't remember if it was for a Sunday school time or what it was, but I taught about this or mentioned this verse that St. Richard of Kilchester wrote in 1200 uh, A.D. A.D. 1200, a long time ago. A monk wrote a poem and it just kind of sat there and it worked its way into a couple of liturgies until somebody was writing a rock opera, a Jesus rock opera in the 70s. and. Um, was put into a song called Day by Day. And it's it just goes, Oh, dear Lord, three things I pray. I I have this on a card, and every morning when I have my devotions, I'll read that first or pray that first. Um, dear Lord, three things I pray, to see Thee more clearly, to love Thee more dearly, and to follow Thee more nearly. So these this is... A good summary of what we need to be doing, that we need to be praying for. So when somebody says, or if you catch yourself saying, hey, all you got to do is love Jesus, no, 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 that's not correct. Um, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I